I would encourage you to grab your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 6 as we continue in the passage that we've been working through over the past several, uh, really the past few months now we've been working through this. And uh, uh, we are, we're not even close to being done <laughs> because we're going to continue to walk through this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. It's important for us because we are reminded through the Sermon on the Mount what it looks like to be a citizen in God's kingdom. And, uh, and, and so, um, you know, and also as we've read through Bob Mumford's book, um, he is walking through this passage as well and talking about, he calls it the constitution and bylaws uh, essentially of the kingdom of God. And it is a really uh, rich book, by the way. Also, I know Pastor Dwight mentioned it, but we have a few copies left. If you would like to get a copy of that book, we would love for you to be able to have one. They are $10. So, and it's well worth it. Um, it's, it's just good content. So uh, as we move into this passage, I want to encourage us to, uh, to be in the mindset that was set by the very first passage of scripture that we read today, when, when Beth read uh, out of Acts chapter 8, what we want to remember is here we are, the fifth Sunday of Easter. And uh, one of the things that Christ released for us through his death, burial, and resurrection is the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, I love that that passage was in the lectionary for today because it reminds us of what the Spirit is doing. The Spirit took Philip to and fro, and he proclaimed the gospel wherever he went, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I'd encourage us to keep that mindset, because, uh, because of what Pastor Randy said when he was here last week, really encouraging us to, to have a greater sense, a greater commitment to following after God. And uh, we do that empowered by the Holy Spirit. So today, uh, I want to read this passage. We're actually entering into the Lord's Prayer this week. Um, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Dwight uh, had preached the message and, and really focused in on, on the whole idea of, of our motivation, right? Our motivation in, the, in coming to worship and coming to prayer, which is what Jesus really addresses in verses 5 through 8 in this passage. But now we're going to talk about his model prayer and sort of the purpose in that. And so uh, let's read this passage together. Jesus says, Therefore you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help this morning. Because the reality is, um, this sacred word, Lord, it's so important for us to understand. And we realize that we are limited in our capacity to understand it in our human nature. And so what we need is the Holy Spirit to bridge the gap for us, to enable us, to empower us, to understand your word, to know what it means. But also, Lord, how can we apply it? How can we live it out? So we pray for the direction of the Holy Spirit this morning in all of this, that you would be 
Lord over this message and over the time that we have here to digest what you want to say to us. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, I want to ask a question. And that question is, why do we pray? What's, what's the motivation behind our prayer? Again, uh, Pastor Dwight encourages us to ask that question of what are my personal intentions? And I think that's a really important question for us. And, and, and it can apply to any part of our lives. Our faith, our prayer, our relationships. What are my intentions? Why do I view, uh, what, what, what do I view as my purpose for being here? Is the primary motivations of our hearts in prayer to move God towards our position or is it to move our hearts towards the heart of God? What is our purpose in prayer? Why do we pray? Do we view prayer as sort of like rubbing the magic lamp? Oh, I, I, I've come in prayer, so now God has to do for me what I want him to do. Do we view him as a cosmic genie? Or is he the sovereign king of the universe? And my job as his servant, as, as, his, as, as a child of the kingdom, is actually to bow my knee to him and ask, Master, what is your will? What is it that you're doing? I would encourage us, and we're going to see it here in Jesus' prayer, but that our job is to learn what it is to submit to the heart of God, to the will of God, to, to be moved towards him. I, I heard a, a comment this week in an interview that I listened to on this, this great radio podcast. It's called The Remnant Radio. If you want to... If you want to enjoy some theology, sort of from a, from a it's, but it's not a super technical uh, uh, podcast, this is a really great podcast, The Remnant Radio. They're a lot like us. These are some guys who love Jesus. They love the scriptures and they love the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I, you know, I really like these guys and they interview some incredible people. They've had Jack Deere on there. They've had Sam Storms on there. They've had um, just a variety of leaders from the, uh, from, from the church across denominations and from the charismatic world, from the reformed world. They've had uh, Episcopalians on there. It's, 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 a, it's a really great theological podcast. But this week they had John Cooper from, Swit or from uh, Skillet on there. And uh, if, if you are familiar with John Cooper, he's made some splashes over the past few years because he's just decided, I don't really care, I'm just going to be bold for Jesus. And he just, he says bold things for Jesus. And I love it. I love guys like that. But he says, our, he said in this podcast, he said the temptation of, of us today is the world is tempting us to make Jesus a disciple of the culture. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to make the culture a disciple of Jesus. We cannot allow that role to get reversed. So, so again, in prayer, what is the reason why we come in prayer? We come in prayer because we want to be moved towards the heart of God. Prayer is about, about seeing what God is up to and joining him where he's working. One other thing is we should not be praying prayers that we have no expectation for God to actually answer. Now, James says in James chapter 1 that, that when we ask God for wisdom without believing, he says we're a double-minded person. We're unstable in all of our ways. And he says that sort of a person should not expect to receive anything from God. 
So when we approach God, we ought, we, we've got to approach him in faith and believing that God is going to do what we're asking him to do. I want to I challenge us on that. When you pray, do you believe God's actually going to answer? And if you don't believe he's actually going to answer, where's the disconnect? Let me tell you, it's, it's never on God's side. The disconnect is never with God. It's always with us. We want to align our will with God's will. And when we are in line with his heart, we can be confident that he will answer every single one of our prayers. Now, here we meet Jesus in this place. Because let me tell you something. When Jesus prayed this model prayer, make no mistake, he had every expectation the Father would answer every part of this prayer. Including the part that we're specifically going to focus on today, and that's the your kingdom come part. Jesus believed the kingdom of the Father was imminent, that it was coming. And so he prayed that prayer in faith, knowing it was coming to reality. As, I, as I've studied through this passage, I, ha- I had three specific things. And, and we're specifically vo- focusing on verses 9 and 10 today, by the way. I had three things that I feel like the Lord really drew out for me. That I, that, I'm to, that I was to share with you. The word I believe the Lord has for us today. Each one ultimately boils down to a surrender to God and his purposes in our world. Last week, again, Pastor Randy said that God is calling us to a deeper, 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 deeper level of surrender. So with that in mind, let's explore what God has to say today. So I want to start with verse 9. And, and let's just, I know we just read it, but let's read it again. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your translation may say, hallowed be thy name. I like that. It's poetic. But, but, uh, but this translation, what they're trying to do is they're trying to draw out what, what does this mean in English. And, and, and uh, I'm using the Christian standard, by the way. So uh, it, it's the Christian standard in Bibles. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I just really like it. But it, uh, that was a joke. I'm not... I'm not uh, biased towards one translation, okay? If you use, if you use something else, that's okay. Uh, I'm not going to give you a hard time. But, um, but, but this, this statement of Jesus, he begins his prayer with acknowledging the goodness of God. So this is the first principle, I think, that, we, that God has for us today. When we pray, we start with the goodness of God. We start with his character. We start with his nature, his holiness. We praise God by recognizing his holiness. He's absolutely good. And he always does exactly what he says he will do. Jesus says, Father, you are set apart as holy. Your name be honored as holy, he prays. Because God is good. And if God is good, then I can trust that God is going to answer my prayers because he's good and he loves me. Our faith in God's faithfulness is critical for us in prayer. The mistake that a lot of people make in our world is they don't start with the goodness of God. They start with their own worthiness. And that is a huge mistake. See, if I I approach God thinking, God, I'm, I'm just not worthy of you. Well, you're right. You're not worthy of God in and of yourself. But in Christ, you are infinitely worthy to be in God's presence. It's not about you or me. And we've got to break out of the mindset that it was about us to begin with. 
you know, Paul told, told the Galatians they were foolish. Why? Because Paul says, because you didn't start by the flesh. You didn't start by fulfilling the works of the law. That's not what got you to God. What got you to God was the grace that he's given you through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what got you there. He said, you started by the Spirit, and if you're going to finish, you're going to finish by the Spirit. It's a grace gift. So it's about our faith in God's faithfulness. We have to believe that he's good. And that when we pray according to his will, he has every intention to accomplish what we ask. Of course, we know, you know, that, that that is a caveat. The word says, pray anything according to God's will, right? So, so that's important. We, our hearts need to be lined up with God's heart. So I'm sorry but you, if, if it's not God's will for you to have, you know, that, a Bentley, no matter how hard you pray for it, you're probably not going to get one, from, at least not from the Lord, you know? But, 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 but I will tell you something I'm pretty confident of, that if you have a friend who doesn't know the Lord, uh, I, I believe that if you pray for that person, there's a good, good chance that person will come to faith in Christ. Because I know that God desires that all people come to repentance. So if you have a friend who is sick, I can't guarantee, God doesn't heal every time. But let me tell you that I know healing is a part of God's will. So if you know someone who's sick and you pray for that person, there's a good chance you may see a healing. But do we believe that God is going to move? Do we believe that God is going to answer our prayers? Are we praying in line with God's will? Are we praying the sort of things Jesus would pray for? Are we praying, God, we honor you sorts of prayers? Are we praying, Lord, I want to see your kingdom sorts of prayers? You know, last week, Pastor Randy, one of the things he said that I, that I wrote down that I thought was so good, he said, the greatest demon in our lives is our carnal flesh, our selfishness. Jesus' desire is to deliver us from ourselves to the place of full surrender. And by the finger of God, he is dealing with our hearts on a daily basis. I thought that was so good. Look, our, the greatest enemy is us. I know that in, in our culture, and especially in the, in, in, the, uh, in, in, in the charismatic Pentecostal world, one of the problems is that people will always blame the devil. Say, oh, the devil did this, the devil did that. I'm like, no, the devil can only tempt you based on what's already in your heart. That's what James tells us, right? James says, you are tempted not by the Lord, and it wasn't the devil that made you do it either. You're tempted when, when the enemy finds what's already broken in your heart, and he, and, and he sort of like pours salt in the wound, and he... And he and he pushes you towards that. And instead of listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, we listen to the voice of our flesh, our human nature. And the devil's a good partner for the human nature. But the Holy Spirit is a partner for our new nature. What's broken is, is us. And, and how do we fix that? How do we fix that? The scriptures are so clear. We fix it by repenting and believing the gospel. We are perpetually saying, Lord, I am broken, but I'm turning away from my brokenness and I'm, I'm moving towards you. Help me. That's a prayer I know the Lord answers too, by the way. Lord, help me to actively repent. 
Help me to become more like Jesus. I have never known the Lord to say no to that prayer. He wants us to be like his son Jesus. So again, like we said earlier, we can't start with our own goodness if we want to have a powerful prayer life. You know, we're, we're, we're tempted to make it about us, but we want to make it about God and his goodness. We've got to fight that temptation to make it about us. Effective prayer is rooted in an understanding of the goodness of God, not in our goodness. Now, make, make no mistake, I'm not telling you that goodness isn't important. I'm not telling you that good works aren't important because I know this, if the closer I get to Jesus, the, the, the better I get. The more I can be classified as a good person, the closer I get to Jesus. But it's because I'm being covered by his goodness. And in the future that is coming, that's going to become more and more my reality. Paul says that we should increase in good works as we see the day approaching, right? As we see the coming of Jesus. Now, I don't know when that's going to be. I'm not one of those end times prophets. I, I, here's what I know. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> I know that someday Jesus is going to come back. And I know that until then, you know what our job is? Go into all the world and make disciples. And be a disciple ourselves. And grow up into Christ's likeness. When I cross the threshold, in other words, when I die, when I kick the bucket here on this, you know, from this world, do you know what? I, I, want, I want to be closer to God than I was when I started. I want there to be less remedial time in heaven. I, like, I want God to have to bring me along a little bit less because I worked hard here, you know? It's going to be cool to be discipled by Jesus in person. I'm just saying. But, but like our job here, we have the Holy Spirit. And so, I, you know, maybe I'm drawing a false dichotomy there because technically he is discipling us through the Holy Spirit right now. He's with us. He's closer to us than he was ever close to the 12. And he's teaching us. Now, last week, Randy focused on the life of Abraham. We started as Abram, right? But um, in Genesis 15, starting in verse 2, it says, But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I'm childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram continued, Look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look at the sky and count the stars. If you are able to count them, then he said to him, Your offspring will be that numerous. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Look, Abram trusted in the goodness of God. He didn't merely believe in God. He actually believed God. There's a difference. A lot of people believe in God. Matter of fact, um, man, I just keep quoting James today, but that James tells us even the demons believe in God. But they don't believe God. If they did, they wouldn't have fallen into sin. They know God exists. They know the scriptures better than you and I know the scriptures. But they don't believe God. 
And there's a lot of people in this world who believe in God, but they don't believe God. And that's a problem. We want to be believers in God, in his character, in his nature, in his goodness. Just like Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He had ultimate faith in God. A clear focus on God and who he was. And God looked at him and said, that's righteousness. The question that we have to ask is, do we really believe that God is good and that he desires to move on our behalf, those of us who have faith in him? Do we believe it? And, and I am encouraging you to ask that question of yourself and to be honest with yourself today. Because I think we may have a tendency to lie to ourselves sometimes because we want to feel better about ourselves. Look, we Americans, we do not like trials. We do not like to have to face things that are difficult truths. That's why we're creating this society that it's almost like uh, we're, we're just putting like little foam padding all over everywhere so no one ever gets offended. But in the midst of that, we're losing everything. We're losing all the truth that matters. We're afraid to face the darkness within us. But I want to encourage you, the gospel, the gospel exposes the darkness within us. But it doesn't expose it because God wants to destroy us. It exposes the darkness within us because God wants to restore us through Jesus. And you can't be restored if you don't understand that you need to be restored, that you're broken, that you're tarnished, that you're a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve. So we... So we start in prayer with God's goodness. But we don't stop there. So the next part Jesus says in, chapter, in verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what do we do next? We start with God's goodness and then we focus on where God is going. We focus on where God is going. Uh, I read the Bible pretty frequently. I try to read it several times a year because I think it's important. Um, I mean, the Lord really convicted me about that a while back. I'd, uh, this was years ago. It was like, you've read Lord of the Rings more than you've read my word. And I'm like, that's a problem. So I've committed myself to reading the Bible multiple times a year because I think it's the most important book that exists. I want to know God's word. And there's no shortcuts to that. You just have to engage it. So um, I read, I just, last week, I finished reading through the scriptures again. And I read Revelation 21. And I am reminded again that Revelation 21 paints a clear picture for us of where God is headed with this broken world of ours. And it's awesome. The end of the story is really cool, you know. Like, I know some of us have read those Left Behind novels and they're scary and we're like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Everything's going to light on fire and these scorpion things, and, and well, people are legitimate scared of the end. But let me tell you, if you're a Christian, you have nothing to fear. The end is awesome. And, and can I say that the end is not this world on fire, but the end is this world restored and renewed. Like, that's cool. And we need to get our end times theology from the Bible and not from a book, by the way. Can I encourage us on that? But the scriptures paint this beautiful picture 
of a restored earth and a massive city, New Jerusalem, full of believers. How cool is that? And, 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 and there are nations. I know this it's crazy. Go read it again. There are nations full of people who love the Lord. God has taken this in a good direction. And what the end of the story shows us is a world in which the kingdom of God has been fully and completely revealed and established on earth. We don't spend eternity in heaven in another place. We spend eternity in heaven on earth, a restored earth. And and this is so crazy. God is going to establish the throne on earth. That's what scripture teaches us. So, so what does that mean? Like what about this world and this life that we have? Can I tell you that your life matters for the future? Not just spiritually, but materially. I don't know how this works. I don't fully understand it. I, I can't tell you everything about it. But what I can tell you is I fully believe that there's something about what we're doing, building this world, that is going to have a lasting presence in the future coming restored earth. Whatever you do for a living, you, if you do it to the glory of God, you are somehow, you're a part of building his kingdom on earth. So we focus on where God is going. It's pretty clear that God's will for our community, let's think about where we live. Let's think about Bethany. Let's think about Ware Acres. Let's think about Oklahoma City. Let's think about Yukon. Let's think about all these places where we have representation in our membership in these different communities it's pretty clear that God's will for our community is that it will become a place more and more similar to his coming kingdom on earth. He wants our community to be marked by his goodness, his rule and reign, rather than sin and death. I'm sharing this because we need to have a bigger dream about Bethany and what this community could be. We need to have a bigger dream about Oklahoma City. We need to have a bigger dream about Yukon and War Acres and Mustang and Edmond. We need to have a bigger dream about Moore and Norman. We need to have a bigger dream about the Oklahoma City Metro. Because God's design is for this to be a place that radiates the glory of God. I'm convinced that's where he wants to take this place. Now, um, we can talk about how broken it is and how far it is from being that today. But can I say that as long as there's a church that carries the Holy Spirit and that preaches the word and meditates on the word of God, there is hope that this city could be that kind of a place. We've asked this question before, but we can't stop the dreaming. So I want to ask you this question again. What would your neighborhood look like if the kingdom of God came in power today? What, what would your home look like? What would be different about your home life? What about your workplace? What about the library over here or the why? What about the grocery store that you go to? Lord knows Walmart needs a little bit of the kingdom. You know what I mean? I mean, what about your school? What about this coffee ministry right here? 
God has given us a presence in this community. Church, we have a footprint here. People come in this place every single day, and many of them are hurting, and they don't know the Lord. And it may be small, but we offer a little bit of hope and a warm cup of coffee, which everybody knows we need a warm cup of coffee. And we also need the hope of Jesus. But I can't tell you how many times over that counter right there I've had a gospel conversation with somebody who was at the end of their rope. Right? We have opportunity here in this place, in this community. And can I just say, I want to I encourage us that, that to dream bigger, to dream about what our influence could be, what has God called our church to be. I firmly believe that God has planted us here not just to have a small church in this little building, but to be a mother church in this community, planting hope all over the place. Can you envision a day when we have 300 people showing up for a worship gathering? We may not be able to do it here, <laughs> but, but, but can you envision what that would look like to have three or 400 people coming together for the influence of New Covenant Fellowship and this gospel of the kingdom to be growing in Bethany and in Oklahoma City and the wider area and for us to have the resources to raise up young pastors and send them out to preach the gospel in new places. We have a dream here about seeing the gospel multiply. It's not just about us in this location. It's about the growth of the kingdom from heart to heart and sending people out to minister. I think sometimes we just become so familiar with the way things are that we just think, well, you know, this is it. Maybe we've come to doubt that things can ever really change. We look at the country and we see how messed up things are. And we think, well, this is it. It's just all going to hell in a handbasket. I don't know. I've heard that kind of language a lot. Last week, Randy challenged us to forsake familiarity. He said familiarity can be a hindrance to faith. Where God wants to take us, church, probably is not going to look a lot like where we've been. Each step is a building block. But the kingdom has forward momentum. And I believe the local church has forward momentum as well. Because we are an extension of God's kingdom. We are an embassy of God's kingdom in the world. I just believe God wants to grow this church. Can I just encourage us on that? Where is God taking things? Who, who has God put in your life that, who needs to hear the gospel from you? Who needs to see you as, a, as a, a physical, material representation of the power of the gospel, but also one who openly speaks of the gospel of Jesus? Every one of us has people God's called to influence. And I, I just believe there are people who God wants here who aren't here yet. God wants us to reach our neighbors. He wants us to reach our friends. How do I know that? Because when I read Revelation 21, that's a big city. And a whole bunch of them, I think, are from Oklahoma City. And we still got work to do. We did a research study several years ago when I was working with the Oklahoma Church Planting Group. And do you realize that we don't have enough seats in every church in Oklahoma City? 
that if every person in, in the metro decided to show up to church on a Sunday morning, we don't have enough seats for them? I know people are like, Oklahoma, there's a church on every corner. Fewer than 20% of us actually go to church on Sunday. It's probably more like 17%. It's a lot less last year. <laughs> um, but most of our community is really unreached for the gospel. We got this massive church building across the street. It's not full. This place isn't full. There's another church building over here. I know it's not full. I pay attention to stuff like that. I'm a strategist in my head. So I, I, I pay attention to what's happening. Look, I, there's not a single church that's full on a Sunday around here. I mean, there, there are maybe a couple that have a lot of people show up. But, I mean, listen, the reality is there's so much room for people to be reached and we're going to have to see massive growth to reach them all. So the Lord, the Lord called Abram. He said, go up from your land, your relatives and your father's house, to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Um, I, I'm, I'm really certain of one thing. Jesus did not put us here just to wait our lives out until we die and go to heaven. His plans for us are a lot better than that. He's given us authority to go and take the land that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. And for us, so for Abraham, for Abram, he said, hey, leave your, your homeland and go to Canaan. Now, he didn't know he was going to Canaan at the time. He was just following the Holy Spirit's leadership. So sometimes we don't know. Randy emphasized that last week. Sometimes we don't know where we're headed, but God just wants to see if we'll get up and go. But one thing I'm absolutely certain of is when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he said, all authority has been given to me. And then he turned to his disciples and he says, on that authority, you go. We have been given the power and we have been given the authority to take the land. And the land that God has called us to take are the hearts and the souls of the many lost sons of the kingdom who are still out there. And they may not even know they're a child of the kingdom yet, but God has sent us to proclaim freedom in Christ. I'm convinced if God's kingdom came fully to our city, there would not be a single soul who would have never heard of the freeing power of Christ's blood in his empty tomb. Now, you may say, surely everyone in Oklahoma City has heard the gospel. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody at least kind of knows who Jesus is. They know about the baby Jesus, if not from church, from Talladega Nights. And um, if you've never seen that, probably don't watch it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> it's, they, they know about the baby Jesus. They know about, they, they know Jesus died on the cross, right? Maybe they've been to church at Easter. They went to youth camp as a kid or VBS as a kid. But can I tell you, most people don't know the full power of the gospel. They don't know the full gospel. They don't know they don't know Jesus. I've talked to plenty of people from here or from the south who you think, oh, it's the Bible Belt. And they've never heard the full gospel. 
that Jesus died on the cross for them, that he rose from the dead to set them free from their sins, to give them new life. And that now, if we repent and believe, we can have that new life. It's for today. People need to hear that message. Do we share God's dream? Is the destination where God wants to take us, is that the focus of our hearts like it is for his? Is, are we focused on those who need to hear the gospel, who need to repent and believe? Do we have a heart for the lost and the broken like Jesus has a heart for the lost sheep? When Jesus walked into Jerusalem and he saw all the lost sheep of Israel, his heart was broken. Do, does your heart break when you go into Walmart? Do our hearts break when we go into these public places and see how many people are far from God and who need a shepherd because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And listen, the shepherd they need is Jesus. And we know Jesus. We can introduce them to Jesus. All right, the last thing I want to encourage us that we see here in Jesus' prayer. So we start with God's goodness. We focus on when, where God is going. And the third thing I want to emphasize this morning is that we move with God. Jesus, again, he said in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's where I want to challenge us. If we know where God is going, we know where this world is going, why are so many of us in the church content to just sit around and wait when we could be taking the land that God has given us. Randy challenged us last week. He, he said, God doesn't want us to wait. He wants us to go, right? He said, Abraham, when God called Abraham, he didn't, he didn't, you know, Abraham didn't just sit around waiting for a prophetic word. He already had the word. God said, go. Can I tell you, God told you to go too. And he told me to go. We have the word. It's the great commission. And it's stated in different ways all over scripture. Acts 1.8, he says, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Mark, in the, Mark chapter 16, he says, hey, go preach the gospel to all creation. And he says, you're going to be supernaturally empowered to do it. The Holy Spirit goes with you. You're going to drive out demons. You're going to perform miraculous signs. But I have to ask the question, do we believe that Jesus actually wants to carry out his work through us. Do we believe it? I wonder if much of the American church, if we've lost our faith, that God is actually going to answer Jesus' prayer and bring his kingdom to our world. And that when Jesus told us, go and make disciples of all nations, that he fully intends to empower us to do that. I've been meditating on this quite a bit. Because people ask all the time, why don't we see great signs and wonders in America like they're seeing across the world on the mission field? And I think part of it's because we stopped seeing America as a mission field. I mean, back in the Great Awakening era, if you go read Jonathan Edwards' journal or John Wesley's journal or George Whitfield, can I, can I tell you something? They were seeing some miracles. They were seeing signs and wonders. Why? Because they saw a lost and broken culture and they, they sold out to the will of God in their, in their day. To see souls won for the sake of the gospel. They sold out to it. And God started doing some weird stuff and it's really cool. You've got to read Jonathan Edwards' book, Religious Affections. It is good stuff. 
but he was setting souls free. I have to believe that if we got our heart lined up with his heart, and if we made it about evangelism and discipleship again, instead of just getting more information filled into our tank, we might see God do some, some more bold things in our world too. Abraham had every expectation that God was wholly good and that he would do what he said. And I want to encourage us. We're in just a moment. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. In fact, Pastor Dwight's going to come and he's going to lead that section. And, but I want to encourage us this morning. Let's not take the Lord's Supper just as another thing we do. Let's, let's make it coming to Jesus, an act of repentance, a returning to the Lord. Maybe we've got it this morning return to the to the heart of God. Maybe you didn't you you've kind of in your heart you've just stopped believing that God is really good and he answers prayers. Maybe we have stopped focusing on where God is taking things and we've made it about us. And maybe you just haven't been moving with God lately. And we've got to repent. We've got to return to him. Here's what we do. We pray as Jesus prayed, we pray, thy kingdom come. And then we go out in his power and his authority doing whatever it takes to get the kingdom into our community now. We don't just pray your kingdom come and then we just say, okay, God, we're waiting. When are you going to do it? We pray, Lord, thy kingdom come. Now make me the answer to this prayer. And we go. We go and we do the work. We do the things that God has prepared us to do. So let's believe God. Let's focus on God's will and let's move with God because here's the thing, church, we don't have any time to waste. We don't have any time to waste. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to the New Covenant Fellowship podcast. We want to connect with you. You can visit us online at ncfokc.org for more information about our church. If God spoke to you and you'd like prayer, please text us at 405-518-5164 and we will get back with you. God bless and have a great day.